Welcome to the Insurance Brokers Podcast with your host, Sarah Myerskoff. This business podcast is for ambitious brokers determined to grow their business. Our guests are highly experienced industry experts and innovators. This is the place to leverage their success, learn how to break through barriers to growth, and discover a community of support and ideas whilst growing your business. Welcome to this episode of the Insurance Brokers Podcast. On this episode, we're delighted to be speaking to Jason Liu. Jason is the CEO of Zywave and has over 20 years' experience leading multiple high-growth software companies across the world. Since joining Zywave in the spring of 2018, Jason has implemented the sales and service models championed in his latest ebook, The Sales Revolution, to build Zywave's reputation as a leading insurance technology provider. Welcome, Jason. Good morning slash afternoon, Jason. Thank you ever so much for coming on the Insurance Brokers Podcast. I'm really glad to have you here. Well, great. It's a pleasure to meet you, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. So many people will absolutely know of Zywave. I wonder whether you can give us a bit of a background about Zywave, how it came to being, what your background is, and, and a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to, sir. I mean, first of all, maybe just a quick uh, little uh, background on me, and then obviously want to give everyone a, a, a larger uh, kind of discussion around Zywave. But, you know, my background is I've been running software companies now for close to 25 years, um, run a number of kind of very successful large-scale software companies, took a company public and had a big success there, and then uh, subsequently ran a couple of other software companies that may be interesting to your, to your listeners. One was actually one of the largest software companies in Central Europe that I ran for about five years. So, I actually lived uh, in uh, in Austria or commuted regularly to Austria two weeks out of every month. And we had a, a pretty sizable presence across all of Europe. So, you know, feel like I have some some context and background and understanding of the, uh, of the uh, European market. And then most recently before uh, Zywave, I ran one of the largest software te- um, sales technology software companies. So a software company focusing on sales automation, sales technology, uh, which I think really kind of lends itself to this conversation we're going to have around, you know, kind of latest uh, cutting edge technologies and processes and in seller automation and also marketing automation. Uh, obviously immersed myself in, in that uh, in that area for, for many years as well. And then as for Zywave, you know, we're the largest what we call front office software provider in the insurance agency space. What we do front office is um, anything that has to do with the seller productivity and anything that the client actually touches. And so uh, there are obviously other providers that you may know about that are more back office, such as the Actresses and OpenGIs of the world. Uh, we're uh, partnering them uh, more on the front office, providing seller tools, marketing tools for brokers to help them generate new business and uh, and close new business and also renew their existing business book. I think it's incredible. Listeners may be aware of the the podcast that Faye and I did, and I'm very aware of Broker Briefcase and, and the things that Zywave do, which is very much aligned to Boston Tullis's proposition of sales enablement, marketing automations, and just making your process end-to-end absolutely interlinked, which actually is the context of the ebook that you and Don Bailey have written recently. I won't give my overview. Do you want to give a quick <laughs> overview of the book? And then maybe we can have a bit of a chat about it because I think it's incredibly interesting to, um, to our audience. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Don and I are, are kindred spirits. Uh, give you a perspective. Don is uh, the former CEO of uh, Willis uh, and uh, North America, and then the former president of Marsh, which is obviously the largest agency in the world. And Don and I got to know each other many years ago when we were working with Don 
and he was kind of applying very cutting edge uh, sales uh, approaches within March and transforming that organization around things like you mentioned, Sarah, around sales enablement, digital marketing, around solution offering, sales plays, things like that. And him and I developed a kindred spirit. And we always talked about, you know, putting our thoughts on paper, or in this case, digitally. And uh, this past year, we, we finally did that. And, and we actually started writing the book pre-pandemic. And a lot of the um, the themes in the book uh, were, were relevant um, uh, back then, you know, before, before the COVID uh, pandemic. But since the COVID pandemic, it's only become even more required, uh, a lot of the ideas that, that we had. Um, really, what, what the concept is, is the fundamental uh, world of, of insurance in the agency space is transformed. And really, um, sellers uh, in, the, uh, in the agency space have to adopt the latest in uh, sales processes, sales technologies, uh, and with that, you know, digital transformation. And really, at this point, it's, it's really a matter of survival at this point. It's no longer a nice to have to embrace these kind of latest cutting edge approaches. And so our book is, is kind of the why you know, which I just mentioned, the what, what that means, um, you know, what does uh, seller processes look like uh, in the next phase? And then uh, obviously the how, which is what are the underlying technologies that you need and the processes that you need uh, to be successful in this new digital age. Uh, And so the book uh, is, I think, a really cool read. It only takes about 90 minutes to read it, uh, but I I think it's very, very powerful. It really starts high level, but does get very detailed on really the how. And I think it's almost a cookbook, uh, if you will, that can be applied. And, and I think, Sarah, from, from you know, yourself, I, I, I think uh, we just kind of laid out the, uh, the, the, the big picture, but obviously it takes experts to kind of uh, really uh, put things in detail and, and work with, uh, with clients to really uh, put this into practice. So I think it becomes a, a great starting point in, in your discussions with, with your viewer base and, 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 and a listener base. Absolutely. And, you know, pre this podcast, we're having conversations with Zywave about how we can support each other. Because what you've highlighted in this book is, is, is incredible. And what I think is really interesting, and if you're happy, I'll put the link to the book in the show notes so um, the insurance industry can read it. Because it is very, very focused on the community broker, what you do now, what you did then, and what you're going to need to do in the future and a step-by-step process to do that. And if you don't mind, if I quote a little bit from your book, you've said, oh, sure, um, absolutely. digital disruption is here and it's altering the face of insurance as we know it. Moving forward, brokers must manage heightened customer demand, shifting definitions of risk, and the prospect of big data and tech to successfully navigate the insurance changes. And what I think you've done really well through the book is explained exactly what you said you've explained, what the problem is, what you're going to need to do about it and how you're going to have to do it quickly to make things happen. So if you're happy, I would really like actually to go through the book in a a kind of piecemeal way and just get your, you know, expanded thoughts on each of the chapters. Absolutely, Sarah. I would enjoy it. Awesome. Okay. So let's discuss change. And the reason I say let's discuss change is because A, it's chapter one of your book. And what you're talking about is the change that's coming to our industry. And you highlighted just a second ago that the book started pre-COVID and COVID's just exacerbated the need for it. And I feel like COVID has pushed the world off the edge of the precipice we've been standing on and it's now where the chips are going to lie. So during that fall, what do we need to be doing to make sure we land on our feet? So opportunity, challenge, both sides of the same coin. Tell me what your thoughts are on on the changes that are coming pre-COVID and exacerbated by 
Yeah, you know, Sarah, what I can tell you is that, you know, pre-COVID, I mean, it's interesting. You 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 look at it from my perspective, you look at it for Don's, and that was kind of some of the concept of the book is I came at it from having been a, a bit of an outsider and seeing how this whole dis- digital disruption had already impacted other uh, vertical markets outside of the insurance space. And so that's the world that I lived in for many years before I jumped into Zywave. And even before I, uh, or even when I was working at Sava, we started working with um, a number of brokers in my prior company. So we saw it happening in other industries and, and realized it was it was on the, on the cusp of, of starting to impact um, the insurance and the agency space. Don comes at it from, you know, he's been in the insurance agency space for 30 years and, you know, really not not much changed uh, until really the last uh, five, five to 10 years, he started seeing change and then it really started accelerating the last uh, really two to four years. And that was pre-COVID. And now with COVID, it really becomes, as I, as I mentioned, a matter of survival. You know, I've had a now a chance to, to talk to hundreds of, of, of agency customers. Uh, we have, you know, north of 6,000 agency customers. We have all of the uh, the top, you know, uh, kind of hundred uh, large agencies as customers, and so I've seen, you know, what you know small agencies do, what big agencies do, and what medium agencies do. And one common theme in the in the COVID world is that they talk about a V-shaped recovery. I, I think what we see is a K-shaped recovery, um, and people are talking more about that. Uh, in the general marketplace, but I can tell you in the agency space, it does seem to be a bit of a have and have nots, is that because of COVID uh, and because of how the world has been disrupted, the need to move towards these best practices around prospecting, around digital transformation has now been accelerated. And what we've seen is the agencies that are embracing this the quickest are the ones that are being the most successful because inevitably your book of business is starting to be disrupted. You're starting to lose customers at the low end who are uh, unfortunately maybe going out of business or shrinking. Uh, but even at your best customers are now under siege. Uh, you have other agencies now who are trying to rebuild their book of business. And so now they're trying to go after your top customers. And so that's the world we are in now. It's an incredibly uh, intense and competitive world right now. And the winners are the ones that obviously embrace digital disruption and digital transformation and embrace many of the uh, the marketing and, and sales techniques, I'm sure, Sarah, that, you, that you've spoken to your listeners about. Absolutely. And something you've just said there's really interesting and feeds quite nicely into, into the second chapter of your book, and that is the competition. Because traditionally, the competition in the insurance space has been the broker 10 miles down the road or, or some of the big consolidators, etc. It's not the case anymore, is it? That's absolutely right. I mean, you know, I, I think competition is coming from all sorts of, of different providers. I mean, I, I do think what I have seen just in uh, you know, I, I've been now uh, running Zyway for, for the last uh, almost three years. But before that at Savo, I, um, the sales tech company, we worked in the broker space for many years as well. And I've definitely seen an intensity in the level of competition uh, just in the last couple of years, uh, but more so in the last year. You know, obviously agencies going and, and trying to grow and, and trying to obviously, uh, you know, um, take uh, new business prospecting and, and other, other uh, books of business. Um, but also, you know, as you mentioned, Sarah, there are now other entrants into the competitive landscape that are real. You are definitely seeing um, real providers jumping into the space. You see, you know, software providers that are providing digital, uh, you know, agency experiences. In the U.S., you have uh, a lot of um, software uh, the, uh, companies that have been massively funded, uh, like Lemonade and and uh, and Cover Wallet, that are now providing a, a, a an entirely digital experience. To quoting um, and uh, and binding coverage, 
Um, you also obviously are starting to see other uh, non-traditional providers that are starting to enter the space uh, as well, you know, and, and they're starting to be very, very disruptive. So, uh, you know, a, as I mentioned, uh, you know, competition now is coming from from all different sides. Uh, and and I think, you know, the, the old days of you being able to kind of uh, sit on your book of business and just uh, expect it to renew every year, I, I think, unfortunately, are, are past. I think um, I did a podcast with uh, Peter Cullum about 10 months ago now. And one of the things he said was that his prediction for the, the next 30 years of the industry is that by 30 years time, Amazon will own the global insurance market. And you can see that happening. Amazon's mentioned in your book up there with Tesla and and the competition is now coming in every single direction. It's from your normal competitors, but it's you're being competed at a, a service level, delivery level, non-traditional markets coming in. It's coming at you from everywhere. And I think that's really interesting when we're talking about the change because the change is kind of undeniable. The world, the landscape is changing at unprecedented levels and it's incredible to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could just mention, you know, two more things. One is is kind of you know, you can just tell that the competition is intensifying by the amount of funding that's entering the space. And obviously, you know, being a, a CEO of a large software company, you know, I obviously work with a lot of these, uh, you know, private equity fund and venture funds. And the amount of money that is being put into the insure tech space is massive in the billions and billions of dollars. And so that is spurring a lot of the digital disruption and the changes we described. I think the other thing I would say is I, I, when I often so I talk to brokers, I, I think they say, well, you know, um, an Amazon or a Lemonade or a Coverwell, they're never going to, you know, always, there's always going to have to be a broker involved. And I actually agree with that um, to a point. You know, I, I think, you know, certainly there's obviously small group, mid group and large group business. And I think particularly at the large group is a large, large group business, uh, given the complexity, uh, there will still obviously be a very vital role for, for brokers and producers. Uh, but I do think that role changes. I think a lot of the very tactical stuff that's done really gets automated. And the expectation of the agency or the broker becomes much more around value add consulting. You know, I'll give you a perfect example, like, you know, with our own book of business uh, for um, our uh, commercial business at Zywave, you know, we actually switched our, our agency. And it was in, in large part because um, the, the prior agency was focused on relationship based selling, they had a relationship with us for many years. Um, and really, they thought that that was going to be sufficient. Uh, but ultimately, the agency that we ended up switching to uh, had a really particular strong e expertise around cybersecurity. And um, they did a ton of uh, work. They looked at our policies and found actually major gaps in our policies around cybersecurity. And they recommended a, a, a more robust policy for us uh, and some additional consultative assistance. Uh, and we switched to them. And, and thank goodness we did, because quite frankly, uh, about uh, six months later, one of our board members, one of the companies he was working with, another company, actually um, had some cyber hacking that went on, and he became incredibly paranoid about the issue, and it became a major discussion at our board meetings. And I could at least, you know, state, and our CFO could state that we had already taken the steps to uh, to properly protect ourselves against cybersecurity. But I'm trying to give a sense of that is, I think, where the world is going with the, the broker and the agency side uh, is value add uh, capabilities and services are really what people are going to be demanding. And certainly relationships matter, uh, but only in the context of the value add that you provide. And a lot of the transactional stuff that you provide, that's got to be done digitally. You know, the more that you can actually set up digital portals um, and have that process automated. And then obviously, from a prospecting renewal standpoint, 
automating much of the process. So your interactions between your customers is really value add. Yeah, I think um, I just wanted to touch back on something you said there. Relationship versus solution selling is a really interesting concept and solution selling is the way to go. When you're talking about an insurance broker who is trying to differentiate themselves through solution selling, solution selling should, like you say, is starting to become the standard expectation as opposed to the USP. But I come across a lot of companies who believe that the sales staff are doing 100% solution selling when actually it tends to be around the new business. There is a trusted advisor approach that probably falls short of that approach for the rest of the, the buying cycle. So when, you are, when you're looking at differentiating yourself, how do you go about doing that from a solution selling perspective? Yeah, no, I can give you actually some, some real examples. You know, I think there's obviously degrees of solution selling. And I don't want to say that relationships don't matter. I'm very old school. I, I love getting in front of customers. And pre-COVID, I would absolutely, you know, I've been to the UK, I think at least once, uh, once every two months, uh, you know, for the last several years. Uh, and so I, I enjoy that human connection. But the reality is, I, I think it gets you in the door. But ultimately, the, the end um, agency that's selected has to, has, to, has to provide the value and you, you need to do the relationship side well, but you also obviously need to be differentiated and provide the value add. And when you say, when we talk about solution selling, to, to, you know, to me, it's along a continuum. Um, I'll, I'll give you kind of two examples. Um, I definitely am seeing more agencies starting to specialize and providing a lot of competency in certain areas. Like I was visiting a, a medium-sized agency in uh, the UK. This was last year. And they had a particular emphasis around pubs. Um, you know, it, it really became uh, part of their uh, their business. It became more organic. But now they, they really have started specializing in pubs. Uh, and they obviously understand the business. They understand uh, where they can get the best coverage. And they specialize in that area. And uh, and they have now built a strong competency in that area. You know, to me, that, that you know, starts to help appreciate this concept around, you know, solution selling. But I've seen large agencies take it to even one farther step. And this is where I think many small brokers uh, need to understand this is large agencies are really starting to put together very specific negotiated rates with carriers around very specific offerings. So within perhaps a vertical construction uh, they've negotiated very specific policies with carriers so they can go to market with tremendous expertise around a specific area of business you know whether it be construction or transportation uh, but they've also now put together very specific uh, carrier uh, relationships uh, and carrier coverage and I think ultimately that is increasingly how these large agencies are starting to try to differentiate uh, particularly trying to win the best customers you know, so ultimately, in many ways, you, you'll see a flight of the best customers to these very specific offerings. You know, and and I think just as a, as as you as a as an individual smaller broker, I think you just got to realize that's what the strategy is of these larger agencies, and realize that's the new normal. And you know, ultimately, if you do want to win the best customers, uh, providing more and more you know value add consultative advice around specific solutions and domains is is very important. Uh, as the example I gave around cybersecurity. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I'm going to jump a chapter in your book because it's really relevant here. You've got a chapter called Unfreeze, right? And 
I find management mindset incredibly fascinating. And where our uh, target market and a lot of our clients are community brokers, so they're on the smaller end, we've got a couple of um, medium-sized brokers as well. And the mindset's incredibly different. How do you go about, what's your advice to go about analyzing a subconscious habit you're unaware that you've got? So that mindset, community broker mindset that's you know, not in the digital revolution space, how do you go about starting to unpick that? <laughs> well, you know, pre-COVID, it was actually much more difficult, you know, um, because, you know, people you know, had books of business, you know, these, uh, you know, and I work with a lot of small, smaller brokers and I enjoy, you know, interacting with them. And, and I see some very, very successful ones. And just because you're small doesn't mean that you can't embrace these latest um, technologies and, and processes. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Zyway would maintain that uh, we're, we're a nice equalizer because we give you the tools that these large brokers have and allow you as a smaller broker uh, to compete uh, as if you were a larger broker and to have the same type of automation and look and feel. But also, Sarah, I'm sure with your assistance, they can start really learning how the big brokers operate and, and replicate their successes. But, you know, as for this concept of unfreeze, you know, Don uh, is really into, you would enjoy speaking to Don, Sarah, he's really into the, you know, the psychology of of this, and he actually took a class on on um, neural networks to, to really understand how the brain works around these topics. And wow, um, you know, he talks about the Lewin change model, which is basically that for you to actually provide a recommendation, you first need to unfreeze current state. And pre-COVID, you know, it was it was a, a slower burn that was going on. You know, I think some of the agencies that weren't embracing digital disruption were seeing their business ebb, um, but it was at a slower pace. Now, in the world of COVID, it's 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 everything's a bear now. Um, you know, you can't go to a, a networking event and bump into someone and hope to get their business or, you know, go to um, uh, some type of, uh, you know, sporting event with, uh, with, a, with a customer. Um, now, you know, really um, increasingly, it's, 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 uh, it's very much about a digital approach. Um, before COVID, I think um, the stats were 57% of the buying process is being done digitally now by the average buyer. Uh, and keep in mind, the other thing that's changed is not the fact that buyers are now increasingly um, uh, doing most of their buying process digitally, but also the number of buyers has expanded. So instead of being one decision maker uh, at an employer that or your client, now the average decision takes four to seven people. So it's increasingly more difficult uh, if you're just solely relying upon relationship selling to become the best friend of all seven people in one employer. So when you kind of do the math, 57% is now digital. Uh, and then, you know, four to seven people are involved in a digital, in a, in a buying process, increasing you have to rely upon leverage and scale through digital means. Um, now with COVID, uh, it's just really completely, the pendulum has flipped even faster. Um, now you can't, uh, you, you, you have to do almost the majority of that process digitally, which includes virtual sessions like this, but also um, the number of, of buyers um, has continued to expand and even potentially expanded more. And those buyers, unfortunately, are not in a room together. Uh, and so you have to message and communicate with them more, all of which is, is better done or uh, accentuated through through digital means. So we've seen this, this movement uh, with COVID absolutely drive a digital uh, adoption, digital transformation in a much more uh, aggressive and ambitious way. 
I think uh, COVID has pushed the digital revolution forward 10 notches. It might have taken us a year to get where we are now, maybe longer. And in whatever it's been, five, six, feels like 12 years, we've kind of, especially if you're homeschooling kids, you know, it's pushed everything forward. And and, um, and actually, I, I think it's started to unfreeze some of the mindsets around what digital uh, can do for the business. The risk of involving yourself and going, right, I'm going to take this by the horns and I'm going to transform my business to be digitally enabled. The risks to you are your people. Have you got the right people? The capital, have you got the enough capital to do what you, to get the right people and put the right resource in? And the culture, have you got a culture that enables this change? So those three things, are actually really critical to making this work for the broker and the small community, smaller community broker, and even some of the mid-size. Just managing those three things are quite difficult to do. Have you got any advice on it? Yeah, no. I, I think um, you know. I, I, I think um, what I would tell you is that it's it's obviously critical. Um, all three of those areas. I, I think the the one uh, the two that may not be thought about as much as people and culture. You know, I, I think as it relates to um, to people, you know, what I would tell you is that, you know, right now, um, now forty uh, percent of the workforce is millennial, and uh, over the next, you know, half a dozen or so years, it becomes well over the majority. And there definitely is this transition of kind of brokers that are aging out, and then uh, millennials entering the workforce. And I think it's safe to say that if you're a millennial, if you're very tech savvy, and you're expecting um, to have these digital tools at your hands um, to be successful. So if you're an agency owner and you want to recruit um, quality individuals, really, particularly if, if you're going to be acquiring them, uh, recruiting them that are millennials, they're going to be expecting you to have these really core digital tools that we're talking about and also adopting uh, these type of you know best practices from a sales and marketing perspective. So, um, you know, to me, it, it, I think it really becomes part of how you compete for talent, you know, as, as an agent. But in the point about culture, I, I think it's, it's totally a, a, a critical component of this is as an agency owner, you know, ultimately, you know, the, the culture you're trying to build is either one of stagnation, you know, which I, I think is, is ultimately, as, as Don puts it, uh, one that's going to ultimately mean uh, that you need to sell your business or you're going to go out of business uh, over time or a, a concept of growth. And if you're if you're embracing growth, you really have to embrace this kind of digital and best practices mindset, you know, because it ultimately becomes part of the culture that you build and the people that you recruit and the mindset you create is that culture. I think um, you've hit the nail on the head when you're talking about the mapping process of the buyer cycle. But actually, the last three chapters, which are about mapping, enabling, automation, integration of the process, you're talking there also about the value add services and the culture and that whole mindset, back to the unfreeze, the whole mindset around growth comes back to all of these tiny little processes, which together build something quite um, substantial. I like the way you've set out the mapping chapter, which is talking about a cohesive approach to sales, marketing, and business objective. And you've laid it out in five stages, which are the leading, evaluation, the close, management, and renew. And what I think you've done really well in the book, and anybody listening, I would totally encourage you to read it, is you've given the types of content suggestions that would be 
of value when you're developing your sales plays, which comes into the one of the later chapters. And it's a type of content. So at this point, you might be doing your proposals. So you look at presentations or webinars and as a structure for how you develop your content in your sales uh, marketing and sales plays, I think it's really, really useful. Have you got anything you'd like to add on the mapping stages processes? Yeah, you know, in many ways, it seems commonsensical, but it's very few, uh, you know, uh, agencies that we work with actually take the time to do that, which is really think about it from your customer point of view, you know, your employer point of view, and what is their journey? You know, when they first interact with you, what is that like? All the way through, they get a quote to a close and then they renew business. And that's what people call is the buyer's journey. And that's ultimately what I mapped out in, in the book is there are five stages in, in a buyer's journey that typically happen. And really the idea is be very thoughtful on what happens in each stage. Don't just, you know, let it happen. Be thoughtful of what does that experience look like? So when your customer first engages with you, it probably is going to be some type of digital way. Well, what's the best way to do that? Well, a cold call from, you know, a, a, an inside salesperson really in this day and age is increasingly being viewed as annoying or just not being value-add and, and rarely um, uh, really works. What really works is a warm introduction is when, you know, when th- that first conversation happens, the, the customer already knows about you, the prospect already knows about you, um, and already has a warm feeling that you can be someone that they want to listen to, right? Um, and the way you do that is through content, as we described, Sarah, is that in the first step, which is the lead stage, uh, instead of just calling them and hammering them with the phone, why not send them very thoughtful pieces around um, the industry and the marketplace, um, around you know pandemic uh, safety, around if they're in the construction industry, around construction safety, or latest changes in regulatory, or latest changes from a market standpoint. And when they get this value-added content, they already uh, have a warm sense about you. Uh, and then when that first contact happens, it's a very warm conversation, uh, and a lot of the selling process is already, the tone has been set right from the very beginning. And so the book, as we talk about, kind of talks about each of the stages uh, and gets, the, gets everyone thinking, uh, an agency thinking about each of the stages and how can you create a better experience at each one to increase the odds that that prospect will move through the stages, eventually close, become your customer, and then keep renewing with you. Absolutely. And that is a huge part of what we do with our clients is the end-to-end process. So when you pick up the phone, or better still, your prospect phones you, they already know you. They already feel like they are in a relationship, a business relationship with you. And it's what's really important, like you're talking about the millennial generation is to expand and grow the business it's a numbers game, isn't it? So how many people can you hit with this really genuine value-added content so it filters down to the ultimate conversions? And if you're doing that on a manual relationship-only way, you are minimizing your prospect pool. So, uh, you know, thought around the content and, and the type of content you do is phenomenal. Talking about the sales enablement, so we've got the how, because that's your background, sales ena- enablement, isn't it, within a software capability. Talking about embedding and then automating and making sure your your entire culture is aligned to the sales enablement process. Talk me through that, your, your thoughts on it. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, in, in the prior company I ran uh, before Savo, we were, uh, as I say, a leader in sales technology. We were actually the leader in sales enablement. So it's a it's a topic that is very um, you know near and dear to my heart. And um, you know, um, basically, the, the concept of sales enablement is in in the old uh, days, it was all around sales training. You would uh, you would maybe once every year or maybe once a quarter, you would get everyone in a room. You would lecture style. Uh, go through PowerPoint presentations on, you know, whether it be new carrier information or different, you know, policies that you wanted to promote or, you know, things like that, you know, how you wanted to present the company. Uh, and you would do it once every year or maybe once a quarter. The, the reality is the world has dramatically changed. Um, the amount of information is changing uh, by the second now. Uh, and so making sure that your sellers are in completely productive and enabled uh, in the moment of a selling process uh, is really what sales enablement about is about is leveraging the best tools, the best processes, the best messaging to make sure that when your seller is selling and they're in front of that client at that moment, uh, they're, they've got 100% of the knowledge that they need and they've got 100% of the tactics that are going to allow um, you to, to be more successful as an agency owner. And so how do you do that? Well, that's, you know, tools, uh, its processes and its content. Those are things that are really going to allow a seller. And, and you think about the impact of that. Um, you, oftentimes in your agency, you find out that you have 10% of your sellers doing, you know, 50% of your, your business, right? And, and what you find out is that there are A players, B players, and C players. Uh, and hopefully you've gotten rid of the D players. And what you find out is the A players are exponentially more productive than your B and C, C players. So a lot of what sales enablement is about is how do you move the C players to become B players? And then how do you move more of those B players to become A players? And it's not done just through you know, traditional things like sales training or coaching once in a while. It's about these things that we're talking about, um, which are the tools, the processes, the positioning, and the content to make sure your seller knows exactly what to do at every given second uh, when they're engaging with a customer on the phone or in person or over Zoom. Yeah, we're working with a number of strategic partners within Boston Tullis. Uh, one partner is heavily involved in sales enablement and, and has a whole load of tools that we use with our clients to to get not just, you say, the A players, but the whole company culture aligned to the sales marketing business objectives so that it's embedded across the whole culture. It's, it's a huge piece of work, but once it's in, it's all about process, isn't it? Once you know you do ABC and you keep doing ABC, evaluate, measure, analyze, change ABC, everything becomes exponentially more efficient. Uh, and I suppose that's really what we're talking about in, in, in this whole conversation is your, your efficiency at being the solution seller in your business is is what's going to help with your growth? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's exactly right, Sarah. You know, to me, um, ultimately, I'm sure as if you're an agency owner, you know how to best position your company and your services. Imagine if you can take your approach and your brain and transplant it into every one of your sellers. Imagine how much more successful you would be. Uh, and I think that's ultimately what say, sales enablement is about, is how do you, how do, you do that cloning process uh, across all of your sellers and get them all to be as, as productive as you are as an agency owner. And I think actually, just on that note, kind of a, a double pitch, if you like, what 
Zywave and Boston Tullis are talking about at the moment is how do we develop the software, huge capability and content that you guys have, and how do we get into those small brokers and, and, and help them to maximize that efficiency because the return on investment when you're looking at when you're looking at that and analyzing the data and seeing what's coming out of it is incredible so anyone listening that wants to talk further about it then please do get in contact and i'm sure we can uh, have a conversation with faye or jason and, and myself and good times will happen Absolutely. You know, as I said, Sarah, you know, there, there's so much, uh, you know, goodness of what we're talking about. And, and hopefully as, uh, as, as you as an agency owner, as you start going down this journey of digital um, automation, digital selling and adopting sales enablement and content, you know, once you start going, you'll see the benefits immediately. And, and uh, I think see that see the benefits and, and uh, I think embrace what we're talking about. Absolutely. Well, I, I just I think that's been really enlightening. And I've read your book a couple of times now, and I will probably read it a couple more. So um, I think it's really, really helpful. So thank you very much for your time, Jason. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you have enjoyed what you have heard, have any questions or feedback, please leave us a review and we will be sure to get back to you. If you would like further information on how Boston Tullis Group can support your business, or if you would like to join us on an episode, please do not hesitate to contact us.